I'm like, I'm, I'd like to take a moment. I'm legit excited, you guys. Like, I, I, I missed recording. It was so much fun. I'm glad we're back for season two. And I'm, I'm gonna do the thing. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Huzzah, where we teach players how to play tabletop role-playing games and entertain veteran players. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the show. Huzzah! about the well about this whole thing but specifically in this case about the fact that the character sheet is like correct and the, mm -hmm. the dice are all what they're supposed yeah. to be <laughs> i will have to learn yeah. how to roll dice on here is the only thing that you will have to expect from me well you do it you'll do it straight from your character sheet but yeah we'll get into that when we get to the actual <laughs> gameplay uh in mm -hmm. the meantime welcome to season two the long-awaited season two. What? What? Don't have Huzzah, indeed. Yeah. I mean, Joseph's here as a full-time participant now. Joseph. Uh, Jocelyn's back Hi. for round two. And then we have the brand new, never-before-heard, Nathan. How's it going? <laughs> yeah. Nathan Artigas. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to be a part of this. This is it's so cool to join in on Introduce this. Introduce yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm I'm Nathan. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's the end. Yeah, that's that's, that's all. all that's know. all you need to know. I've been uh, I played D and D for a while. I DM for Huzzah, and uh, I just I play a variety of games. Anything from sci-fi fantasy, all in my you know path and. Star Wars is a really cool thing for me. I'm really excited to be playing in it. Yeah. And that's the big difference that in Season 2 is we're uh, branching out from Dungeons & Dragons. We're going into uh, the Star Wars role-playing system developed by Fantasy Flight Games. And that's I get to introduce Joseph and Nathan to that game system. Um, mm -hmm. So that's exciting. Uh also, Joseph it's super exciting. has, uh, yeah, and Joseph has uh, also taken the plunge into running uh, his own games. Mm -hmm. Foray yep. into into being a game master for his for a, it's, for a season. It's so crazy. <laughs> like we we started off uh, with Huzzah, and you know we were teaching people how to play. Like, oh my god, guys! Like that first episode, we were in my apartment. I had just moved right. into my first apartment. And now that 
we've we've come so we've come so far. Uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're listening to the show in season one, and we're uh, we're in the middle of like growing into uh, this podcast that's teaching people how to play a game, and then in the middle of our season, uh, actually, I guess it was right towards the end of the, se- uh, the, the season. That's when COVID happened. And mm-hmm. we did the season finale uh, and and just brainstorming. And Jeff came up with this great idea for us to jump on meetup.com. And now we've met all these really fantastic people through meetup. And we started Yay. this crazy cool, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's like this big branch of... Uh, of different games running all at the same time now. And we have people involved in the huzzah game world that we never had before. Like it's just grown so fast. Like this is such a, uh, it, it honestly, it's kind of surreal. Like I, I never really didn't know, uh, we could do this to be totally honest. Like I, yeah. s- somewhere deep down, I knew it was going to happen, but the mm-hmm. way that it happened, I did not anticipate. Yeah. And that's, you know, like, honestly, props to Jeff and Jocelyn for the hard work and the dedication and just operating all of this as much as you guys have. Like, seriously, let it be on the record. Aww, this thanks. was y'all. Yeah. What? <laughs> that's got to be also on the record that Joseph was like super cool and awesome. And and like mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff Joseph said, but about Joseph, yeah. like <laughs> I was going to say oh, the discord stuff. shirt. Yeah, the Discord server would not be where it is without your mm-hmm. hard work. Let's be honest. Yeah. You you have done a lot of work. Despite uh it, Carl Bott trying to routinely oh, Carl Bott. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So for those listening who are not on our Discord server, because uh and if you want to get on the Discord server, uh we can totally find a way to get people involved in that way. But we have a bot called Carl Bot, and it has uh it was honestly just my my really paranoid way of trying to keep our Discord server safe and positive uh, from, you know, bad language and giving people tools to, like, report people if there's something going on that we aren't aware of. But we we incorporated this bot, and it's actually kind of, like, <laughs> a little too much. It, it, he, mm-hmm. he, can, he can find a, a, a curse word inside a normal word. And it's kind of, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's kind of OP. Like <laughs> I had to get really creative uh, when I started plugging in all these like really bad words. And I was like, I don't want any of this on the server. But then it was finding like, mm-hmm. w- like I said, words inside words, which were totally innocent. So yeah, uh, yeah. the reign of terror oh. is still going on. Unfortunately, uh, it's just like, it's, it's really the best like... thing we've got. Yeah. It's, he's just really good. But he, he has such a really... cute like little turtle icon and you want to like him but but then <laughs> but then Carl Bott yes, is the does. final boss yes. of the of this entire thing right that's, that's oh, gonna be it oh my god Carl is a big boss bad. oh I know who your big bad is <laughs> no, this season no. it's Carl Bot. <laughs> <laughs> when we get to the end of this, it's going to be a giant mechanical turtle, like like General Grievous, but Carlbot. It's going to be really scary. That is amazing. 
that doesn't mean oh i did not <laughs> think about that and i love it like imagine like horrible because he's got like a little he's a little drawing little cartoon and he's got this little happy face but then like imagine him with like a mean face uh-huh. like yeah yeah Mm. Good stuff. Just put it's two little like kind of uh, black lines above his eyes. <laughs> it just makes it into a mean face. And then all of a sudden, so just like angry eyebrows. Six arms come out under the turtle shell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my word. Uh, I'm gonna need an emoji of that now. <laughs> <laughs> you need to deploy Savannah uh. on that. <laughs> oh yeah. Props to Savannah too. Savannah has basically single-handedly come up with our aesthetic. As it were. Yeah, I was gonna say all our logos and designs, that's all her. And it's been fantastic to see those evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh I gotta say is one of the coolest things to come out of um this little chapter in Huzzah's story here. Um, you know, people that listen to the show but aren't involved in our actual like uh meetups and Discord, they don't really know, but we've kind of changed our aesthetic. Like things have really grown up over the past couple of years. Um, you know, mm-hmm. before it was like this really cool graphic that was, you know, uh, I, I was really, I really love the way our look has always been. And then I met my fiance mm-hmm. and she has upgraded everything. She's just, a, she's a designer uh, and she mm-hmm. has, the ability to just draw whatever's in her head. She's a decorator. She can, she's crafty. She can work with leather and like all kinds of stuff. And, but she just jumps on her iPad and gets on procreate man. And she has, yeah, she's really, I mean, all the stickers that that's her, all of the, um, the wax seals on the letters that go out to our patrons on Patreon. Like that's her. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really lucky. Yeah. Really lucky. Yay. This was like an, a kind of like an open love letter to my fiance, I guess. Yeah. Open love letter. <laughs> she's and also she's just very cool. I like Savannah a lot. Mm, she's amazing. Yeah, like the the level to which Savannah operates, like how cool and clever and whatever she is, is like you give her some vagueness. Like I remember specifically for Tear in the World, she asked, "What are some things that are uh, significant in this particular campaign, etc." And I was like, "Well." I mean, it's terror of the world. There's a lot of like portal magic and that's pretty important. Mm-hmm. And that's all she needed. She's like, okay. And she goes away and comes back with this amazing, amazing um, thing. Oh, no. I, I don't know. Like icon is not yes. quite right, but it's uh, a logo. Logo. Thank you. Uh, it's an amazing logo. Yeah. And I was like, that is so cool. Yeah. And every time, like, so uh, can you tell um, everyone a little bit about terror in the world? Uh, I, we, it's a campaign that you're running in Huzzah, in the Huzzah Discord and through Meetup and all that. Uh, but tell us a little about the campaign that you're running. Sure. Uh, me or or Jeff? Well, yeah. you're actively running it, but I mean, okay. I can k- kind of tell you the overall story because it was my original brainchild. I was going to say, but... it's, it's Jeff's brainchild, but we've kind of gone past where he sort of like got to. Run. So now it's kind of mine. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, essentially, okay, first of all, it's our own world. That's the beauty part. We're playing in our own little sandbox that uh, is ever evolving. As I tell the players, mm-hmm. I was like, look, you know, we, we have we have got your part of the sandbox where you're playing in, but what you do will affect other parts of the sandbox. And mm-hmm. the whole story revolves around this town of Redhold. Redhold is mm-hmm. the town that hosts the Wizards mm-hmm. College. And 
when the players get there, they're first off, they're, they get shanghaied and they have to escape a cult. They investigate, they, they're going to do, there's some cults running around doing some weird stuff with portal magic. They can't figure out what the connection is. And, mm-hmm. as, uh, and then all of a sudden the wizard's tower explodes. Explode. And that's where Jocelyn's group is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much deeper into it because if they mm-hmm. listen, uh, they don't want to mm-hmm. give secrets away. But there's there's a huge mystery as to what ha- what caused that, and then eventually they'll have to go into the tower and stop whatever's going on. Dun, so, dun, dun. and uh, so, uh, originally the the whole spark of it was I always wanted to run a vertical dungeon as opposed to a widespread dungeon. I always wanted mm-hmm. a dungeon where you had to climb levels and. And I thought it would be a really cool, interesting way to do a final dungeon. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how do I build a campaign where that's that's where you end up? <laughs> yep. Da-na-na. That is so cool. And, uh, yeah. yeah it, it's, uh, and as we said in season one, I stole ideas from a lot of different places <laughs> to mm-hmm. write that campaign. <laughs> There's a lot mm-hmm. of inspiration coming from a lot of different places. Silly. It's, it's, yeah. It sounds yeah. like an awesome campaign, really. Oh, thanks. Oh, I... I uh, my group was having fun until things happened. But you know, her, her group is—I always hear her group laughing from down the hall in our in our house. I'm, I, I listen love my and groups; I'm like, they're so nice. And, I, and I'm like, "What the heck is going on? What shenanigans are they going getting up to in this world?" Oh, oh, shenanigans! Let me tell you, like uh, my <laughs> my favorite thing to date is what happened right at the end of our last uh, session, and given the fact that this won't come out for a while, this will be far in the past by the time they listen to it. So I can tell you, we're getting ready to have a fight over a pot brownie, essentially. There's one left, (laughs) and we're all about to throw down for it. It's going to be great. Um, Uh, Oh, I forgot the ums. Sorry. Anyway, Jeff has been very gracious. (laughs) Jeff's been really gracious in allowing me to um, fill out the world a little bit because he had definite goals and signposts and things like that but at one point i was like well we have a criminal contact and i told him there was an underground market do you mind if i make that up and he was like go for it and so i did so we've got like a fortune teller an exotic animal dealer and uh magic uh magic leafs magic eats which is from whence the pot brownie originated because <laughs> this dude is uh, just like your very friendly stoner who really loves to cook so he's just like yep. in there cooking and he's got like a special menu and it was great. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It's so good. The, I, I'm always a fan of a good black market in a D&D game because you can have so much fun in those. Like mm-hmm. uh, there is a magic item vendor, but there's a very good chance that what he sells you is fake. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and another vendor who's selling stuff that's pretty probably cursed. And a lot of people are buying them to give them to other people. So that's always fun. Yeah. So, uh, and Nathan, you're, you're running a campaign too, right? Uh, you're running uh, Eberron after the war. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, that has been such a fun campaign so far. Uh, we're only just a few sessions in. And uh, my party has already been just such a great party. Uh, takes place in uh, a town up in the north part of Eberron where... Uh, the war has ravaged a lot of the the landscape and places are rebuilding and it's very steampunkish. And right now they're into the town and they immediately get involved with some gangs accidentally. Whoops. And uh, Whoops. now Whoops. they're going to, uh, yeah, now they're going to try to uh, route all the gangs out of the city. And in this upcoming session, 
which again this will be coming out later so they could hear this uh they're about to go uh raid a uh the flamers they their gang hideout so that'll be the first like actual large-scale assault against one of the gangs to try to take them down and i'm really excited for that one because uh it's going to be a lot of fire (laughs) yes that is awesome and it's like a steampunk for for folks that don't know it's like it's it has a steampunk theme yes yeah that makes me so happy and i wish i could play in it but i can't has a lot ever ever yeah i was gonna say go ahead has a lot of airships uh you got like uh a lot of there's even vehicles like the more uh uh well-to-do folks have vehicles uh there's a lot mm. more of a uh, guns used instead of just simple weaponry and a lot uh best way to put it is more modern technology uh one of the items that i managed mm-hmm. to sell them because they were in need it is a type of flame retardant so that they take half damage from fire mm. it's not magic nice. so uh it's it's kind of combining the fantasy fantastical aspects with a more modern kind of gritty part of it. And mm-hmm. it creates mm-hmm. this just awesome, awesome, like just realm of creativity that is steampunk. And it's one of my favorite genres. Nice. That is amazing. That is very cool. I I didn't realize there was such a heavy steampunk element. I love steampunk. It's like, it's one of my things. It's like, mm-hmm. exactly. And our, our dwarves mm-hmm. in our made up, uh, campaign actually are also very heavily steampunk inspired. They haven't gotten there yet, but what were you saying, Joseph? Uh, I was gonna say I love that we're it's just like offering like something for uh, everybody. Mm-hmm. Like y'all are you know in the fantasy realm. He's he's like dipping a toe into the sci-fi like uh, sort of. Yeah. Um, my world was kind of like really weird, like really really weird. Uh, it was dawn and dusk, mm-hmm. and I, dawn and dusk. I think had like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it had like um uh I I I came up with a mechanic where like during the daytime things were normal uh and kind of like whimsical and weird mm-hmm. and then at night that's when everything became like a macabre version of itself uh and kind of spooky. Oh yeah. I really really enjoyed that. Your 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 world reminded me a lot of Lewis Carroll in in the through the looking Ooh. glass kind of style mm-hmm. very yeah. very much and, that, that's actually really and it, mm-hmm. it was because it, everything was you know depending on whether you met something in the day or night it could be topsy-turvy and it was really kind of fun because you just didn't know what kind what the encounter was going to be like and Mm-mm. yeah it could be mm-hmm. absolutely horrifying or it could be one of the most fun goofy sessions you ever had and it was made myself Awesome. I had fun role playing because I I role played this very sarcastic, very arrogant, you very know, wealthy. wizard, and, uh, very wealthy so because wealthy. Uh, jo- Joseph didn't realize I brought him from another campaign <sighs> and apparently I was loaded because no <laughs> he was like he was like yeah three hundred gold I'm like yeah, okay here <laughs> and Joseph yeah. said well. oops <laughs> he's like I hate you so much. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of broke it for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not forget when we had to, uh, there was that part where I think it was the the octopus had the boxing gloves and we we had to help him find the shark to beat up. (laughs) I thought it was the other way around. around, We had had the goldfish goldfish, that was our friend and he had to box the octopus and we helped him out. (laughs) We helped him train. And let's not forget the duck that was on fire at night for no apparent reason. <laughs> Nothing else wrong with him. Just oh, on yeah. fire. 
<laughs> I love that guy, man. That was, that was, that was, I, uh, I love that, that little a, guy. It was, I just love that mechanic too. That mechanic was so much fun to play with because, and in the fact that you would tell us you have so much longer before sundown and you're just like, we're just like, okay, Freaking out. what are we going to do? <laughs> what does sundown mean? Right. What does that mean? <laughs> Whenever the DM looks at yeah. you and tells you a specific bit of information that you don't really know how it applies. And you're just like, <laughs> like just hyperventilation. <laughs> You have one hour until sundown. <laughs> oh god! Basically, basically, I, I, it's okay. I I kind of pushed my players into between. Uh, there's a rider on a black horse coming towards you, or there's a creepy windmill you can hide in. <laughs> you take your pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, uh, uh. <laughs> That's great. Oh yeah, and you're escorting. Uh, Two people that are wanted by this rider on the black horse. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, it's great that we're talking about this because uh, I I think um, that kind of gives us a great segue into our topic, which is world building. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know that world building has been kind of the cornerstone for our, um, our campaigns lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, you know, all mm-hmm. like you, you had a homebrew. I have a homebrew and Nathan has a homebrew. And I think that's going to be really interesting for yeah. season two because we didn't talk about that really at all in, in the last season. Um, no. On some level we did. I, I, I'm, sure it came, I'm sure it came up, but like not as a whole thing to explore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know from my, uh, from my one campaign, and to be quite frank, it was one of my, it was my first campaign. And I, I wasn't really interested in doing a published one. I really did want to take on the the challenge of uh, a homebrew. And the first thing that I wanted to do was come up with something that made my world unique. And without it being like the terrain or, you know, anything like that, I was more interested in the, how the yeah. world worked. Um, and so I, I, and I really love, honestly, I looked at our, our logo. I looked at the huzzah like podcast logo. And I was like, what if it had something to do with like, the sun mm-hmm. or like uh the you know something like that like mm-hmm. the sun setting and that's when mm-hmm. it hit me that uh i i think savannah may have helped me on this too um but i thought of this mechanic where when the sun goes down that's when everything changes but of course that's when the players have to go out and yeah so i think if uh a good starting point for for someone it might be the how your world works if there's something unique about it that maybe challenges the players or um it's part of the overall like plot and i is that sort of how terror the world works Mm -hmm. with the portals Uh, well kind of it it, mine really started uh actually i i think of things that i really like feature wise like i (sighs) am obsessed with dwarves i really like the race of dwarves i like the concepts but i always always feel like they're very generic in a lot of fantasy settings they're just kind of and i was like what can i do to make them unique or different i was like what if they're not just brutes or miners but they're actually inventors and and Mm -hmm. these these very intelligent and so we that's why we gave them the steampunk aesthetic we said they're going to be the inventors of this world they're going to be the ones who are known for coming up with cool new technology 
that everybody right. has to have. That's what their wealth comes from. It's not from mining, but it's from the technology that they produce. And I was like, it doesn't really play a big deal in, in tearing the world too much, but I was like, maybe I can attract players to pull these doors because they have such a rich history in the world. And I always planned on a second campaign in that setting with uh, mm -hmm. dealing with the big war that they all had, which everybody's like, that sounds really interesting. I was like, yeah, I haven't flushed that all the way out yet. <laughs> right. But uh, no, and the portals are also something that I just, I really like because some of the races do come from other dimensions and that's how they got there. And that's where that came gotcha. from. I, I, I do love that though. Like that it's such a, like a unique element for your players to like sink mm -hmm. their teeth into. Yeah. But what about Eberron? Um, what sort of world building um, tools did you use to make the world unique? Well, okay, so Eberron happens after this massive war, and a lot of uh, the world itself uh, basically was on fire, is the best way to describe it. A lot of oh, no. deforestation happened as the people were just trying to clear burn away any habitable place to lessen the land of any other kingdom. So a lot of uh, Eberron is not, it's not forested, it's it's cities. Think, think of how a city, you don't see a lot of vegetation in some places. Mm -hmm. Think that, you, you just have these grand cities. There mm -hmm. might be, you know, fantastic ships, airships flying around, or you may have cars running by, or in some cases, people with flamethrowers. But it's a rare sight to see a tree. You, you don't oh, see dang. this stuff. And Hold on, flamethrowers? What? <laughs> like you do uh, just exactly yeah. as you do uh flamethrowers was one of the weapons that uh they got the fight against and that was oh it was fun <laughs> that's kind of terrifying <laughs> it was well, very kind of about it it was very uh cool to describe because in this world especially with the gangs these gangs in the city are trying to revive the war because the war actually helped their kingdom prosper and they just mm -hmm. want more to reap more of the benefits. So they uh, encounter the heroes and yeah, they'll start trying to uh, shoot a flame towards them, but it's also catching the building on them behind them on fire. And it's starting a, a, a major fire in the city. And it was really cool to see not only the players go like, Oh, okay. So there's flamethrowers now, but also, Oh crap there's a building on me on fire behind me and I got to help the civilians too. And it adds a moment mm -hmm. of kind of humanity uh, to mm -hmm. the world of, yeah, there's people doing terrible things, mm -hmm. but you can also try to fix that. That's very cool. What exactly like sparked inspiration for, um, for this campaign? Like it's, I know cause Eberron is its own like piece of publication in the, in the, D, D world but like what what inspired your campaign uh i i had read a lot of the source materials from a bunch of different uh different pieces uh from dungeons and dragons mm -hmm. and eberron just uh stuck out to me because of how malleable it is uh the way they try to uh say it is it's like you're you're going into a world uh, rebuilding itself all right how is it rebuilding itself what's going on in the rebuilding uh, and they don't flat out say like, oh, the world is rebuilding. I'm just like, well, maybe the world is rebuilding, but maybe it's also, you know, with rebuilding, you also have to tear some old things down to make new things. 
So I thought if a, if something's coming out of the ashes of, of a war, definitely there's going to be some buildings that need to be torn down, but definitely new things, new, greater things can rise out of those ashes. And that's another reason why mm. flame is so important is because mm. it's a symbol of, yeah, it may be destructive, but flame can also forge strong things. Holy crap. I just got chills. I love that so much. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. Like, I just got a shiver. Like, holy crap. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, Nathan's uh, already one upping us, guys. I, I <laughs> know, the new one, guy over two. here. Jesus. It's all right. Yeah, like, all Is right. this where we all lean against the water the cooler and we're like, oh, the new guy? <laughs> the new guy. Come over here Man, grabbing the coffee. Like, like, you get all this young blood in here today's. and start showing you up. All <laughs> well, you know, right. We have up our game. Uh, so, world building is kind of big. Uh, mm-hmm. Yar. It, what? Yeah, so like let's try and chunk it. Like, okay, so to me, uh it it seems like the me- how the world works is one of a one of the best starting points. What's another good starting point for world building? I mean, I guess it sounds kind of shallow now that it's coming out of my mouth, but the aesthetic that you want, like aesthetic the aesthetic, which I just recently learned that is like I've heard aesthetic used. It's like, oh, the aesthetic. And I recently heard a, a definition for it. I don't know. Like anyway, so the the way that you want the world to look and feel. So not necessarily how it works like that plays a very large part and how it works, I think, is also going to determine how the world looks. So, yeah. you know, if. There are just people wandering around with f- flamethrowers and whatnot. Your city is probably going to have a whole bunch of like burn scars and stuff. But you can, st- I feel like you can start from the other way too. Do you want them to be wandering through amazing uh, forests that look like cathedrals and uh, over mountains that are, you know, huge, have huge crags and amazing vistas and like that? Mm-hmm. I, it's funny you mentioned aesthetics though. Like, that's actually that was half of uh, the inspiration for for my world. I remember thinking about l- a little mm. less of the um, of like villages and things like that in your you know your typical inn. And mm-hmm. I thought, what uh, what terrain and um, environment are they going to run into that's unique? As opposed to like, sure you got the forest, mm-hmm. but. Mm what else and i thought i wanted space i wanted outer space to be a huge element in my game um you know in in dawn and dusk we i wanted to have uh these sort of gods of like the sun and the gods of like light and darkness and death and how they played a role on a Mm -hmm. on like a celestial Mm -hmm. level um and i think like moonlight and sunlight and the stars and the moon itself all being sort of characters like in in their own way uh unfortunately my campaign didn't get quite that far it it was getting there um i literally in the campaign that i the one of the last sessions we were going to get into um i had been prepping for and they were going to discover a village where the big bad had basically dropped uh giant meteors into the village and destroyed everything but it was like a series of things that had Mm. happened and the last thing that he had done was drop all these asteroids or meteors into this village um and 
per, and I and I, I just love space in general. So I that that was a huge player uh, or a factor that played into my campaign. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned aesthetics. I I, I had That's never so cool. really put a word to it. Yeah. Yay! That's so fun. I liked how you mentioned, uh, you know, your big bad. You said he came in and dropped all those meteors, basically. Uh, that, that's one thing that I kind of do with world building as well, is that I'll I'll make, I'll just draw out the world, you know, just kind of be like, oh, this is what my world looks like. Now, if this kingdom was at war with this kingdom, what would happen? And that's how I came up with Everon is mm-hmm. like, all right, so here's the kingdoms all here, and they converge trying to go to this one area. And I just took a red pin and I'm like, and all this would be on fire. All right, cool. That's what would happen. So you kind of just get the basis down and then imagine if I were these people, what would I do to the world to make it to where it is to start the story? Mm-hmm. It, it creates right. a very interesting mm-hmm. kind of perspective, especially if you're going for something where the uh, the action has already happened and they're kind of in the mm-hmm. aftermath and more action is mm-hmm. happening. It creates a very kind of, oh, you're in the now with this. Yeah. Right. And now all I'm seeing yes. is like sweet, friendly Nathan looking at a map and just like red pen. <laughs> just like mm-hmm. coloring all over. It's all on fire. This world is on fire. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. And Nathan kind of touched on it. Or I don't want us to leave this before everybody's had their say, but I, ha- I have another point when people are done. Well, I was going to follow up with. Uh, on what Nathan just said, I, I like to have a world defining event, something that has shaped the politics of the day, because not every race is going to get along with each other. So I like to have a couple world defining events uh, like in Terror in the World. We have I have two big ones. One is when the gnomes got a little mischievous, a little crazy and. And they they tried to blend technology and magic together, and mm-hmm. they ended up like sucking a whole race from another dimension and getting them stuck dun, dun, dun. in the current <laughs> dimension. And uh, the dwarves were like, "What the heck were you thinking? You guys didn't do any planning. You just kind of threw stuff together and hoped that it would work." And then there there is the other big thing is the uh, what we dubbed the War of Undeath. Is when the vampires showed up and they mm-hmm. pretty much decimated the dwarven society completely, which is why the only dwarven cities that still exist are actually in the air. They're floating in the air. So, yeah. So they have two these two major events and the dwarves kind of resent a lot of people who did not come to help them in the war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, we put a lot. Yeah. So you can see uh, those are kind of some major events. That's kind of why the, uh, the Wizards Council even exists because they kind of monitor magic because the gnomes got a little mischievous and did some stuff mm-hmm. that they shouldn't have. <laughs> a little mischievous. I feel like you're, you're sweetening them up a bit. Whoopsie daisy, we opened a rift in time and space. <laughs> Understatement of the year. Yeah. So, also, we well, don't that's... care. We're going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's one of those. But I like to have a, a couple world defining events that can explain why things act the way they do why portals are such a big deal that all of a sudden they're showing up again okay those who know the history of the world are gonna be like what the heck what gnomes are automatically right. gonna get blamed for it <laughs> mm-hmm. when they may have nothing to do with it but you know it it creates a little fun especially if you have a party that happens to 
contain those races. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Ooh. they're starting to throw fingers at each other, which I think is just fun as a GM. I get to sit back and just watch the party kind of go at it in a healthy yep. environment because make sure it doesn't get too heated. But at the same time, it's always fun when you have that little, a little disagreement as Joseph and I know mm -hmm. from playing with each other. <laughs> oh dude, Jeff, uh, for folks that don't know, Jeff and I can come up with some serious characters that have a love hate relationship. It, yeah, Oh, it, like yep. we, uh, I, for, uh, yeah. Yep. Those, that, yeah. That those lost episodes Joseph, were, were fantastic. All right. Yeah. We'll peel back the curtain a little bit here. Uh, so <laughs> what people don't know is during the quarantine, we had actually put like four or five episodes of Huzzah season two in the bag. And we had these two we characters. Close. I don't What What were our, uh, what were our characters? What was your character's name? What was my character? You were, uh, uh uh, it was Jason because you were you were a ranger and I was uh, yep. Al Case, who was a uh, I think I was a wizard. I'm pretty sure I was a wizard. Anyway, we 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 had a love hate relationship. We loved each other because right. we were both very very useful in in a fight together. But uh -huh. <laughs> outside of, outside of that, <laughs> we constantly we were take like shots at each other. Total opposite characters. Total opposite. Oh, it was it like, it, it was fantastic. Uh. It's pretty impressive. Uh, and my character just like had it out for your character. Like as we went along, he just was mm -hmm. like really not into your guy. And I don't know. I, I carved out that little piece of his personality. The, the feeling was mutual. <laughs> yeah. The, the feeling, the feeling was mutual. There were, there were, there were, uh, there were definitely jabs being taken anytime we got a chance. And, but it, mm -hmm. it was, it was one of those. It was so good. And but I, I feel like it was uh, sort of fortunate that that it, we didn't finish that season because uh, I'm actually more excited for this game than I was for that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like and it also kind of goes in line with what we're doing in the Huzzah world um, over mm -hmm. on Discord mm -hmm. and our meetups and running all of our campaigns. Because it's going to be a really fun transition for the players to go from D&D &D into Star Wars. Like, to flip the coin totally over, show them mm -hmm. a totally different side of, like, role-playing and world-building and characters and uh, mechanics and things like that. And for, yeah, just for example, this system is much more uh, a narrative-based system when I say this is all about the storytelling less about the numbers there are no we're not going to use battle maps or anything like that it's mm -hmm. going to be much more theater of the mind let you guys kind of explore this galaxy that we all know of but now you guys get to play in and that's uh, a huge part of why this is no longer huzzah D, D beyond the rules and we have totally nope. changed and re i guess you call it rebranding uh we are now Hazard yeah. Games, which is way bigger and way more mm -hmm. encompassing for tabletop role-playing games and educational uh, purposes. Yeah. Goodness. So I guess this is kind of where the first half of the show starts to wrap up. Yeah, I was going to say, so. any final thoughts on, on general world-building? I mean, I had a point, but then Jeff went and stole my thunder, so it's no good now. It's fine. Oh, oh! I'm sorry. No, I'm messing what with you. Point did I? What point did I steal? Uh, I mean, I think you and Nathan both are 
explored different aspects of it. I was just going to say, have um, an event in your world. Uh, I think both of you are thinking of it in a much larger, on a much larger scale than I was. I was thinking just like a, an event, like a local event um, that happens and that shapes like how that village is, or I, I was thinking mm-hmm. of the Dwarven city. So now there's like these huge holes in the ground in which, uh, Frost, not frost giants. What um, go- did we decide? Lives Goliath, in which Goliaths lived, and then above are these floating dwarven cities. Like that's a that's a huge deal, but it was just this one event mm. that made that happen. Uh, so yeah. basically, exposition is the um, is kind of the key word here. When when you're or at least kind of summing up, I mean, you guys did such a great job. Uh, that exposition gives your your players um, sort of that backstory that they need to get motivated, um, but also mm-hmm. knowing their exposition too, like why their characters are there, who they are. That uh, that's equally important. But you know, exposition mm-hmm. is inherently uh, sort of an inciting incident for the whole story to begin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it's the spark. That's the yeah. the yeah. Um, I was working on this one shot uh, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it at some point, but um, because my world does have a lot of uh, space stuff incorporated into it, I had been kind of working on a one shot where a, a basically a star falls from the sky and lands in my world. And be, the because it's a thing that fell from space, I feel like a lot of people would go after it. Therefore, uh, some of the motivating mm-hmm. factors for the players would be to go find it like or they've been called or you know somebody tells them to mm-hmm. go get it and to retrieve it and i thought that'd be kind of cool but i yeah exposition yeah. is e- e- extremely important for world building i think just just one more uh it, it's something sort of small that can add a lot of flavor is make everyone different in the world uh you know we, we don't want to go from all the way from a to z and have the same flavor of person because there, there's always going to be differences and even mm-hmm. if it's just mm-hmm. changing the tone or maybe giving them a bit of a dapper british voice or something like that <laughs> uh you could just barely change the world and add these little mm-hmm. bits of just uh, cultural stuff to around it and it helps shape yeah. the world into oh that all these people live on this side and this sort of people with these sort of customs live up to the the northwest and it adds uh, a lot of flavor mm-hmm. that i think is very interesting for a lot of players because they can also kind of relate to it or also be like oh okay maybe that's weird <laughs> yeah pre oh my god I, that cannot be overstated like my campaign may be like a kind of like lewis carroll and it may not be for everyone but they definitely did not run into the same voice twice uh between the they ended up going to the underworld and running into an accountant there who her name was deceased Hmm. and she was like this old like 40 year old 50 year old chain smoker like do you have a bad account honey like just so bad and (laughs) yeah i it just can't be overstated enough like i love 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 uh a gm who can just branch out that way, even if it's in your own way. Um, hmm. It's so cool. It, it really makes your, uh, your world diverse. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid mm-hmm. to experiment with it. It may be sometimes like you, you throw it on the wall and it just doesn't stick. Or sometimes you may throw something, mm-hmm. and it just like sticks automatically, but you know, you, you never know until you don't try it. So you just got to 
just experiment mm-hmm. with throwing stuff out there to the players and see their mm-hmm. reactions and see how you like it as well. Because remember, you're mm-hmm. the GM. This is your world. So just just try it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to have fun too or nobody will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, this my this is my last point uh, because some of them don't work. I, and you can feel it and you can feel the energy ch- uh, change when, the, when they're not into something. Mm. Um, and fortunately with this being one of my first campaigns, I, I felt uh, free to do that, to try and experiment. Um, and it was a great learning experience. But one of the ones that I felt like really fell flat, like big time, uh, they're want the, the players are wandering through this mansion. They destroy literally everything in the mansion. And that's just their favorite thing to do oh. when they go in something nice, mm-hmm. go into a nice place. Uh, they oh, no. ran across this. They oh, went no. to like every single room. And in the last room that they wander into, they find a guy in a like a radio station uh, studio and he's like doing underworld public radio. And but I mean, I was I was trying so hard to make that funny and it just did not work. It didn't land. It it happens. But it it helps you fine tune. It helps you like kind of figure out the Mm. scope of what's entertaining for them. Your players will mm-hmm. certainly be different between any campaigns you're going to run, uh, mm-hmm. and you just—it's sometimes that you you might have to flip a switch between two worlds, but one mm-hmm. world may be this gritty realism, and the other you just may be like, and now there's a goblin riding a unicorn because why not? And it's just you, yeah. you got <laughs> you just cater to them, and it's it's something that you get to experiment with, it, and I really love doing it. It's just mm-hmm. just such a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. That's what's fun in playing in your own world as opposed to an established world is you can change the rules on a fly if you need to. You may have an idea mm-hmm. of what what you wanted to do, but then your players come up with something that's even better. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to let you go for it because I think that sounds a lot better than what I had in my head. As mm-hmm. a, whereas as opposed to an established world, you kind of have to follow the rules that are already there. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's the risk, you know, like, like in the... And where we're going, you know, we're playing in the Star Wars universe. I have to kind of follow the rules that have already been established, even though with every movie and TV show that changes <laughs> because Disney can't decide what's real and what's not in that world. But that's OK. I have my set of rules that I'm going to follow. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if you guys come up with something really, really cool, I'm not going to stop you from trying. You just may fail miserably, but that's OK. <laughs> right. Uh Schrodinger's Star Wars. All right, y'all. <laughs> All right. Well, that that will be the uh, end of the first half of the the podcast. Uh, we're gonna take our, our our break real quick, and then we will come back and we're gonna meet our, our crew of yeah. You guys gotta name your starship too. That's right. Uh, so we'll mm-hmm. meet your meet our crew and introduce them and get them on their merry way to wherever the force will lead them. Uh-huh. So just for everyone's sanity and knowledge so you guys don't get confused, in season two of Huzzah, our Let's Play sessions will be taking place in the Edge of the Empire role-playing system, which is set in the Star Wars universe and published by Fantasy Flight Games. It's one of my personal favorites because I, I'm a Star Wars, huge Star Wars nerd, and it's a really cool system that I think a lot of people are going to like because it's not so combat focused. It's more narrative storytelling 
focus. So, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Thank you. Huzzah Games, Star Wars. Not be copyright struck by the mouse. Let me tell you what. <laughs> Season two, chapter one. Let's meet our crew. Let's talk to the pilot. Yeah, Malamar, Mal for short, Malamar mm-hmm. Tolturn. And let's get a little bit more information about Malamar. Yeah, so Malamar is a rugged smuggler type. He comes from one of the outer rims of the galaxy, and I guess has stumbled upon these band of misfits here. <laughs> and he uh, he has a thing for intelligence. Uh, he desperately is seeking the Alliance, but can't seem to get back to them. But his that is his vice. And he will do anything to get the upper hand on on the Empire and see them fall. And then you have. Oh, and he's a human. And he's a human. Nice. <laughs> we have another human aboard. He's a little more brawny than uh, Malamar. And you guys know him as Toady, T-O-D-Y. So, Toady, tell us about yourself. Toady, uh, he's somewhere on the ship uh, making sure his blaster's ready for any type of combat. He is an ex-Imperial. He has seen some stuff. (laughs) What caused him to become an ex-Imperial is after he was on a ship where they were boarding a rebel, but also civilian cruise liner basically after witnessing the massacres he could not stand it and he decided to run away from the empire and as much as you can fight back against it for the cruelty that they've shown to not only the people that on that ship but uh the, cr- the cruelty to the people across the empire and uh he's ready mm-hmm. for some action to get back at what he thought was the correct way cool. last but certainly not least is uh the Bothan tech who keeps this ship in the air <laughs> My name is Athen. I think I have a last name. I do. Athen Nuakoni. She's a Bothan. She's about regular size for a Bothan, which means she's about four and a half feet tall. And her head and face look very feline, but the rest of her is humanoid. Uh, she's covered in furs, kind of a tawny color. She's got like dirty blonde hair. And she has a bit of a shady past. I feel like at one point, maybe she was kind of, I don't know how much. Y'all would know about this, but I'll put it out there. Uh, so she used to be uh, very wealthy, but she has an addictive personality mm. and she loves like puzzles and figuring things out. And she doesn't really care what's what's in there. So essentially she latched on to Mal because like Mal wanted intel. So he could find all of the like really tough, like chef's kiss, difficult um, safes and things that needed to be sliced and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, she lives for the adrenaline rush. Uh, when she can't get the adrenaline rush, she does essentially the Star Wars equivalent of like spiking your monster with Ritalin and just mm-hmm. like down on it in a shot. <laughs> so as I understand it, she and Mal were kind of running together for a while. And then we met up with Toadie and 
uh, it was like military intelligence. And we like slide into his DMs. We're like, hey, hey guy. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's Athen. All right. Uh, so that's our group. So just for your all knowledge, it is five years before A New Hope, before the Battle of Yavin. The Death Star is still under construction. It is not, no one actually knows it exists. So you guys know where you're at. We have the crew of a fire spray ship. They'll tell you the name of it once they come up with one. I don't think they've come Mm -hmm. up with one yet. And they are headed to an outer rim planet, very similar to Tatooine in uh, setting and scope, to meet with one of their contacts who has a job for them. Jocelyn is the only other person who has actually played in this system. So now we get to get into some of the minutia of it a little bit. And we're going to start with what's called destiny. Destiny. Destiny is described as the force's influence on your characters. We always start the game with every player will roll a destiny die. And if you go on your character sheet, there should see a place where it says roll for destiny. And you will either get light side or dark mm-hmm. side. So light side points you guys can use to help yourselves with rolls. Think of it like inspiration in D&D. You kind of get it as a group and you can use it as a pool. But if you roll dark side, that's for me as the GM to use. I can use that to kind of mess with you a little bit. So if everyone will go ahead and roll for destiny. Just as a sidebar, how metal is that roll for destiny? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so all right, well, that's that's great. Uh, so it's 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 even oh. two and two. So you guys have two points. I have two points. Mm-hmm. So there will be four total destiny mm. points going throughout this game, and when you use one, it's going to give me an extra one. When I use one, I give you guys one. So that's how that works. And we can also barter with you a little bit, right? Like, if there's something we really want to do and we don't have the destiny points for it, we could be like, but we'll give you so many points. You can give me dark side points if you yeah. really want to do something and you just don't have the destiny points. I for like it. that. That sounds really so interesting. It's, once again, right? you, you can barter with the force, essentially. The force. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So the next thing is obligation. Now, you all start with obligation. This is essentially something that you is a vice of yours or something that may be a problem. And you all picked obligation to start with and how big of an obligation that was going to be. Two of you elected to take extra points in your obligation to get extra experience to start the game. Meaning you have a 65% chance that somebody's obligation is going to come up and make a problem for you. It's going to be exciting. And I'm going to roll. Okay. I'm going to roll a D100. And I have to, if I roll 65 or lower, that means somebody's obligation is going to show up. Uh-oh. I'll, I'll do it in roll 20 so you guys can see. All right. And I rolled 50. Oh. <laughs> well, that is... Well, it's 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 Malamar is the one that it rolled up on, and Malamar has an obsession. Malamar, what's your obsession? His obsession is intelligence, and it often will get him into precarious situations, uh, uh, even at the risk of endangering himself or his oh. teammates. Okay. Da-na-na. Oh no. <laughs> this is gonna be good 
God. So he's obsessed with gaining intel. That, so that's something for me to note. Uh, it could have presented in uh, a little stress for you guys, but right now it's going to be something I'm going to hold on to in the back of my head because I have some ideas. That is how every session will start. Just so you guys are aware, we will do that every time we will roll for Destiny because Destiny gets reset every session and we will do the obsession or the uh, obligation thing every session. So now we are set. Awesome. Uh, so you get you guys have landed on this planet in your ship and your contact has instructed you to meet them in the local cantina. And who does anyone have ranks in Underworld? Ooh. Well, I don't know if I have ranks. Hang on. I know I've got Underworld, but... Mm -hmm. Ah, I do! I have a rank! Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? I do not. I, I don't... Uh, ranks in no. Underworld? Yes. Knowledge Underworld. No. no. Okay, so it's going to be a contact of Athens, then. Sweet. I have a rank one in Underworld. Oh, yeah. So you do... Okay, so you brought you well. That makes sense. You two traveled together, so you guys probably know the same people in the underworld. You were meeting a Rodian. For those that don't know, it's the it mm -hmm. is the race that Han shot in, in A New Hope, and yes, he did shoot first. For those who know. Oh my word! It's gonna get spicy <laughs> up in here. I'm already polarizing the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a purist. I'm a purist. I was raised on it. Uh -oh. You you guys, you guys just know Star Wars. I was born into it. <laughs> Although, Ooh. Ooh. to be fair, you, you were born into it kind of backwards. Didn't you used to watch it like the other oh, way yeah. around because it was shelved uh, wrong? Yeah, it, my, my, the way my aunt shelved it on her shelves, she put the VHSs in the wrong order, so I watched them in the wrong order. And it never made sense to me until I realized until I could actually knew Roman Roman numerals and realized I was watching them in reverse. <laughs> that is really funny. Right? So it was interesting because I'd always watch Return first and then A New Hope at the end. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. How are people that are dead back alive? <laughs> and yet you still loved it. And, and, yeah. Yet I still love it. All I right, feel so like you... it only trained you for Lucas's plot holes. Like you were fine yeah. with it by the time he started messing with stuff. Yeah. That's a good uh, point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just used to retconning it's fine mm -hmm. it was training for today <laughs> yeah alright so you are meeting a Rodian named Frell um, Frell and Frell and he is a contact you guys have worked for before and you guys like him because he always sends you to steal or acquire things from the Empire oh yeah so, um, big fan. Big you fan. Are, yeah, you're meeting him in a in a cantina. Think of a new hope. The cantina. On a Wait, new so hope. we walk and, in like. Yeah, I'm just gonna it, provide all the music. Uh, yeah, music and immediately after getting off the ship, uh, uh, Malamar pukes. He gets incredibly <laughs> motion sick on upon landing. Oh no! Uh, and. Uh, Athens just, just gonna look at him and be like, "Oh, keeps. no, no land legs there, huh, buddy? Sorry." She's gonna kind of pat him on the back and like just move on. Like she's used to it at this point. Like he'll he'll get it together. It's fine. Oh, he's puking. I just rub his back. He's like, "I forgot to take the Dramamine." No. <laughs> I just rub his back. You get used to it after a few shuttle landings. 
Sorry, dude. See you at the cantina. Bye. Uh, and he's like dry heaving and still. <laughs> oh no. Like, oh, no. Still, he just still feels the motion. So uh, good. Oh, like your inner ears doing that whole thing. You're just like, oh no. Yeah, he, yeah. He's he's like, I'll catch up. <laughs> oh, oh golly! Right in the mic. Right in the mic. If we haven't polarized people, we're now gonna have the barf and like anti barf. <laughs> Those who cannot stand our sound effects. Okay. So the cantina is is yep smoky. Drinks being poured. Aliens of all races, as you can see. And um, back in the back corner, you do see your. Uh, your contact. Do I get there before everybody else? Because I left while Mal was dry heaving. That's yeah. D- what is everybody else doing? I, I guess uh, knowing Mal is pretty okay by the shuttle himself. I'm gonna gonna keep up with mm-hmm. Athen as a pseudo kind of just watching out bodyguard kind of deal. All right. So we walk in. I've got a I got a swagger, well practiced swagger, because I know this world. I belong here. Heck yeah. Also, I have this guy. <laughs> but- mm-hmm. Burly, burly toady in the back. Gonna make my way over to Frell and slide into the booth with insouciance. Think Han Solo. Mm. And be like, sup, Frell? Ah, Athen, you're, you have returned. Mm-hmm. I trust the, the last job went well. Smooth as silk. It did not go smooth as silk. <laughs> smooth as silk. And then what you see playing like in her, you know, memory is... Uh, <laughs> Uh, like lots of like sirens and fire and people running around and us just kind of blending in with the chaos and we got whatever it was that we had had gone there for but um it was not smooth as silk successful but a little rocky (laughs) well as promised your cut has been transferred to your account thanks so fyi you guys got paid 300 credits for that job ah we're heckin rich oh yeah money (laughs) Which, considering uh, what some of you had in your pockets, considering is... that I have forty six in my <laughs> bank account. So, as a group, you will, you you have three hundred credits. That's a hundred credits a piece. All right, will Mal be joining us? Yes, he walks in obviously <coughs> after everybody, and he sees Athen talking to him at the back of the the cantina mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I wave. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he just waves. Actually, uh, <laughs> he waves yeah, back. Like, hey, hey, buddy. Let's go ahead and. <laughs> Have Mal as you walk into this cantina. Go ahead and give me a perception check. I've already set the difficulty as an easy check for you. Okay. What do we got? What do we got? Ooh. Hey. Very successful. You have two advantages. As you're walking in, you happen to catch a glimpse at a table around a different corner. And you 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 notice that the two gentlemen sitting at this table enjoying their beverages have the insignia of imperial intelligence. Mm. And they are beyond wasted at this point. Mm-mm. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. going to be good. Uh, okay. So, so Mal is feeling awful. I mean, he's he just puked his guts <laughs> out. And he's like... He just feels weak at this point, but he sees the insignia and he, but he just cannot help himself. So he, he's like, he puts a hand over on the table. It's a table, right? 
like they're sitting at yeah, a booth. They're, they're sitting sitting at like a little corner booth table, you know. Cool. <laughs> and he puts his hand down and uh, on the table and he says, hey, you mind if I uh, get you guys a get you guys a drink? Can I, can I sit with you all? Of course. The more the merrier. If you're buying, you're more than welcome. Oh, yeah, you got it. Please. And he sits down and I mean, his breath probably smells vomit right now. And he's like, all right. And so he gets everybody. He gets everybody a round of, uh, of drinks, including himself. And he's got like this empty stomach now. Uh, and he's like, come on, guys, let's go. Let's go. Let's party. So he's getting everybody uh, getting everybody drinks. Your round of drinks comes. They're sloshing everywhere because they are wasted. And you can see very clearly it would be very easy to swipe some of their personal items that you may find very useful later. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so he's he's just giving it to him and he's having a couple himself. He's he's you know, they're all having a good time and uh, he's going to attempt to uh, pickpocket all of them, like just right there in front of him and okay. from like just putting his hands Ooh. under the table, not even like being right. particularly smooth this will be a skullduggery because that is uh yes. that is the term we use for uh sleight of hands in this game skullduggery cool. so uh mm. go ahead and uh, make that skullduggery check dug uh, those skulls okay so you are successful you just swipe everything but uh on the second guy you got a little too handsy and as you're as you're swiping his last we'll say his key card he misinterprets your hand gesture just a little bit and uh <laughs> and he goes hey 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 just because you buy me a drink doesn't mean i go that way <laughs> oh and he and, he, <laughs> and uh he says wait hold on what i sorry i, I didn't even realize i thought i didn't i had no idea you i didn't know I he's like fumbling over himself and at this point like that alcohol is just already like in his system because he just puked his guts out Mm-mm. and he's like whoa, whoa, whoa. no 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 so no you have no I apologize I'm sorry and, um, uh, you've watched him since he walked I was into the say, bar can we see him yeah <laughs> yes uh, can, can, oh I, I'm gonna like elbow Tony and be like dude go go get him like I'm, I'm already dude. On. I'm already on that no worries just walk Thanks. over just Kind of just grab him by the collar, slowly well, pull him away. Well, hold on. Before you do, Tony. Oh, okay. You also recognize the ISB badge. Oh. Go ahead and just give me an intelligence warfare check. And I'm going to make this easy, and I'm going to give you a boost because of your background. So go ahead and roll for me. So you are successful with advantage. Awesome. <laughs> ISB stands for the Imperial Security Bureau. Okay. And guess whose name they probably have on file? <laughs> probably mm. a deserter. Mm. Somebody just, named Cody? Just, just maybe. Just to make things more complicated. Uh, so are you still going to retrieve your uh, your pilot? I kind of I just start walking towards and I just Dead glare at that uh the ISB loco and just slowly kind of casually back away. Uh and I just tap her on the shoulder. You go get him. <laughs> you you go get him right now. I cannot go anywhere near them. <laughs> Fine. So talk, Are, talk to Frell. And so I, I get out of the booth and I go over there and like I'm I'm not gentle at all. Like I, I 
I just grab him like under the armpits. I'm like, all right, Mal, here we go. Good job. Sorry, gentlemen. Pardon us. Excuse me. And so I'm like dragging him backwards, like towards the table. <laughs> Meanwhile, I take the most like not even smooth seat. I just like ruggedly sit down, <laughs> just put my hands on the table. It's just hello. Yeah. Uh, go go ahead and just for uh, give me a discipline check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You, you you sit down kind of abruptly, hey. but fortunately, you, you're still able to keep your wits about you. All right, Mal, you are you are now, let's say, tipsy at this point, and you have been dragged back to your contact. Unceremoniously. You did hear objections as you pulled him away. Mm-hmm. We'll say some xenophobic comments were made towards your Bothan friend. Oh, my gosh. No, no, no. I will ignore it classily. And, and Frel just kind of shakes his head and never a dull moment with you guys that's why you love us <laughs> finger guns so okay you in so i got dragged back over to him yeah. again right or yes. to where mm-hmm. okay and i'm with mm-hmm. uh and i'm with athen with me yep athen, all three, or is it all three of us all three of you are back because toby retreated once he saw the isb insignia and realized what it was and he is like i want nothing to do with that got it okay uh yeah so uh, Mal is, even though he was dragged back over to this seat, he's still got his, uh, drink in his hand. So he's still down in that. And he's like, I haven't mm-hmm. seen you in a while. How have you been? What's new? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Trying to keep a low profile, but. <laughs> That's not going to work out. Yeah. Today. How's that Sorry, working guy. out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot better before you started making friends with, uh. The Imperial Security Bureau. <laughs> and <laughs> and Mal takes a, a big swig. And I assume you guys want to know what your next job is. Please. Uh, as, as he says that, uh, he's going to take the longest reach across. Uh, Tony's going to take the longest reach across the table and just take the drink away from Mal. <laughs> just put it by him. We don't need to attract attention and from he them. Sa- <laughs> <laughs> Mal, Mal says oh don't worry about it it's actually on his tab anyway so it doesn't matter <laughs> and he points to our, the contact <laughs> and and um, Athens gonna look over at Mal just like high five I'm like <laughs> oh yeah and you just once again more shaking of the head from your Rodian <laughs> so Frel you maybe want to give us the thing we'll get out of your hair sorry about that <laughs> alright so here's the deal we have a report that there's very important cargo on a hover train Mm. we don't know where the hover train is that's part of the job you'll have to find it and recover what we believe to be weapons Mm -hmm. we could get into the hands of some people who could use them who are also willing to pay very handsomely Mm. i like that what kind of weapons we talking once again very cryptic we just know it's headed to a new imperial outpost and we would like to get mm-hmm. those weapons and make some money. If you're interested in money. Make that money. And I know you guys like to target Imperial supplies. Heck yeah. Is it on this planet? Well, all I have is the name of the train company. And the date that the train is going to happen. The transport's going to happen. Mm. Well, let's hear it. So you're going to have to break in to the Zerka Corporation and find out where the where the train is and how to get on. That's your next job. There's probably more supplies on the train 
All we want are the weapons. Mm -hmm. You can keep whatever else you find. Sounds easy enough. Let's do it. I'm going to have you all make a nice perception check. I've been very worried. My rolls have been very decent so far, and I just know this is where, yeah, this is where it goes bad. (laughs) Why why you got to put it out there, man? Why you got to be like this? It's two fails in a row. Yikes. It's all... Perception? Yeah. Oh, Oh, my... Well, you got a crap ton of advantages, and when I say a ton, I have... Between the group, we have seven? Five, six, seven. Yeah, seven. So for, for those that don't know, this is a wonderful system where you can fail but still have what we call advantages, which are narrative ways for you to influence the scene, but you still failed at the perception check, so you did not notice. And I will actually roll for your contact because maybe, just maybe... But see, you can't blame us. I mean, I'm over here thinking about imperial weaponry, and right. Mal and them over there are just thinking about all, right. all the credits, and we're just like, I'm gonna, I'm rolling for your, for your companion. Maybe he will notice. Actually, I'm gonna. No. Oh. <laughs> nothing. Uh, that... Nothing. Yeah, he got n- nothing. So. Wait, wait, uh, guys. Do we want to use some of our force you points can, here? You can use a destiny point now if you want. Hmm. It's up to you guys, though. How important do we feel this is? I kind of want to see where this is going. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so you quick, guys are. What are the with de- go with ahead, de- destiny points? Though, can you read? Can you regenerate them later on? So, well, here's how destiny points work. When you use one, it actually turns into a dark side point. You literally are flipping it over, and you're giving me another point mm. to play with. Vice versa. If I use a destiny point, the dark side, you get a point back in your pool. So it's it's kind of a barter system. You know, you can and spend we'll, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I can use it in, my, in return. So and we'll yeah, renew go. it at the beginning of every like we roll that dice again. So mm-hmm. we don't there is a blank face on it. So there's a chance that we won't get anything the next time. But mm-hmm. it, there's only the one blank face. Yeah, we will always roll destiny and your destiny pool will change from session to session. So you guys can use it if you want. I have one vote for abstain and just see where the scene, what happens in the scene. I kind of want to see what happens. Okay, cool. Let it ride. You guys don't notice them walk in, but all of a sudden you hear yelling coming from the table where your ISB friends were. As you all turn around, you see a third gentleman with three stormtroopers standing at that table berating these two for drunken disorderly conduct and as they're looking through they realize they're missing their security badges and comm badges these guys are in serious trouble you're uh i'm imagining toady is kind of putting his head as far down as he can hiding his face as is your your rodian friend has uh, all of a sudden snuck out and you guys uh, are here by yourselves as as frell's leaving i'm gonna be like great to catch up with you frell see you next time okay thanks bye and i'm gonna start like shoving the other two guys like let's go 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 you don't really see they can't see me they cannot see me so let's move and then you won't be here for them to see you all right so i need <laughs> uh yeah oh what, what what was just what just happened oh 
yeah, you you. So you're uh, as you guys are getting up. Mal has decided that he is going to puke on command now. <laughs> and as a distraction, he just uh, pukes in front of everybody. And, and, <laughs> Whoa. Uh, yeah, and so you do attract the attention of one of the stormtroopers who who looks up and yeah he he notices you and comes and over and he, he he is is he all right? I want to make a like a big fuss like really you know like making a big deal out of like checking on Mal and whatever. I'm trying to draw attention to us so that Tody can vamoose. And you hear you hear from the table. It was him. He did it. And this drunk, oh. these drunks pointing out the puking mouth. <laughs> what are you talking about? These guys are obviously straight up drunk. I would like to, as I'm making this distraction, whatever. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like haul Mal up on his feet, and I'm like, oh man, are you okay? Like you're kind of like wiping the puke off the front of him, but I'm also talking to these guys. And like while all this confusion is going on, I want to pick Mal's pockets to get all that stuff out that he that he picked off those guys. And put it in my own pockets. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna need a. You have two checks here. You're gonna have to make. Yeah. Uh-huh. You technic. You do know Mal stole the stuff, is what you're saying. I think, given their relationship, Athen would be pretty sure that Mal might have tried something. So she picks his pockets basically as a precaution. Like, okay, maybe he took something. Maybe he didn't. But she doesn't want to tell them to search Mal before she knows that he's not got anything All on. Right. Him. So nice. A couple, couple of things. I'm gonna need a deception check, mm. and this is gonna be actually opposed to his. And I need to look up his stat block real quick because this is what we call an opposed check because you're gonna go against his discipline. Because mm-hmm. his discipline will determine on how likely he is to believe your story. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've got to set. What kind of his... dice you putting in there? Uh, it's two red die and one purple. Okay, can I use a force point? You can use a destiny point. What would you? Are you? What are you? Are you trying to upgrade your? Yeah, I want a buff. I want this to be my best deception uh, all okay. day. Okay. What is your? So we're uh, going four to, greens. So you want to? How many times do you want to upgrade it? You can upgrade it up to twice with your because you can use uh, both. just the one, I guess. Okay, so go ahead and mark that you're using a destiny point. It should say use light side. At the top, and then so that's and I'm gonna upgrade your side. Okay, so go ahead and roll. Uh, so sorry, upgrading deception. So upgrading means she gets to take one of those green dies and it changes it to, to a Ooh, yellow, yeah. which Ooh. yellow is a lot better, as she see because that probably caused it to be successful <clears throat> deception. Uh, and now go ahead and you're gonna make. A skull duggery check. Okay. And the question is, is Mal gonna let you pickpocket him? I guess. I don't know, Mal. Uh I'm gonna say yes, because we have a pretty cool chemistry. Uh even and not only that, okay. but he's like just sick and like drunk enough to like not care. Like <laughs> Okay, so it's not gonna care. be it's so it's actually gonna be against this guy's perception. Okay. Which I which I will tell you is three reds. Oof. I'd also like to imagine that you're still puking your guts out right now. She's just trying to scrounge around. Just... Yeah. Oh so, yeah. Would you like to use that last destiny point? 
Yeah, because I just really want to win. I hate these guys already. They're awful. All right. All right. <laughs> you can't really win this game, but I can win this check. <laughs> yeah. Should I try it now? Yeah, go for it. Oh my gosh. So ah, yes. I will I will comment. It is with threat. So I don't care. Don't care at all. You are being told to leave the premises immediately. Uh-huh. And you know you're gonna be watched as you leave. Okay. Leave. So so they're no longer like suspicious of Mal or whatever? Oh, there's definitely suspicion. They're just oh. they don't have evidence. They don't have the evidence they need. Okay, well, because I was gonna be like, yeah, search this guy. He didn't. He, he did nothing to your stupid drunk ass ISB agents. Oh, they, they, they are. It's not gonna change. That's that threat is. They are suspicious as can be, but it's yeah, you know, it's like they know you're guilty, but they don't have the proof they need to arrest mm -hmm. you. Can I use them like trying to force her to leave as my kind of getaway? Just like as she's making the you know check him, check him out. I just kind of just take her away. I'm saying, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll let me get her outside and calm her down. And I just use that as my getaway to get her outside. All right. It uh, works. So it's just a whole train. Cause I'm like holding up Mal and Tony's just like dragging both of us away. <laughs> <laughs> and add that you can make your way to your ship. If you would so desire, because you know, you have to, you're going to have to get off planet to get to your next, next checkpoint or your, the next objective anyway. Or you can stick around town and see what happens. Well, I think you're heading for the ship is good because we at least need to get Mal a clean shirt, even if we decide we're going to stay here. So, like, as we're walking, I'm going to be like, good save there, Tony. Mal, like, like we got to get some Dramamine in you, my, my guy. Like, this is, this is not going to work out. Right. Mal says, get me off of this rock, please. Okay, okay, we'll do it. What'd you All say, right. Tony? Tony just beelines for the ship. He's like, yep, I've had enough for today. We're going back to the ship. We're both just frog marching Mal. Like you've got his other arm. We're just like <laughs> speed walking to the ship. This is a good team. All right. Yep. It's going to work out. I like it. And that's, that's chapter one. <laughs> Cause you guys avoided the fight. <laughs> nice. That's nice. amazing. I, I, like I said, I had it planned that you guys would be, it would have some kind of interaction, but I didn't know if it would end up in a fight, but. So we, uh, that's the end of chapter one. You guys have got your objective now and we are, uh, we are moving on. Huzzah Games is brought to you by Bookshop Media, a media company for extraordinary people like yourselves. Support us on Patreon and or let us organize your adventure party. Yes, come play games with us at patreon.com slash Huzzah Games. Huzzah! Huzzah! And may the force be with you.